So, welcome back to Economics and Global News. Today, we have a guest with us today, and it's one of my best friends. Hi, it everyone. Is. My name is Lucas. My guy. I'm really happy to be on this podcast. Yes. So, Lucas and I, we were thinking about, you know, discussing various things, but we couldn't really set our minds to one thing. So, we said, why not just, um, as we would say, YOLO this? So... To be fair, in in the global news, we've mostly seen, as previously discussed in the podcast, it was the Israel and Palestine um, crisis. Lucas, what are your opinions on the Israel and Palestine crisis? Well, obviously, I know that Israel and Palestine are actually having conflicts at the moment, and I know it's pretty bad. Mm. Um, I think that they're both in the wrong but mostly the Israeli, because the thing is, they are attacking the Palestinians because they literally want to claim the territory when it's not up to them to decide. And they should resolve this, not with wars and guns and whatever they're attacking them with, Mm -hmm. but, you know, with, like, governments and actually just talk this out. Yeah, and, and we previously discussed this on the podcast, that was uploaded yesterday and in the end uh, that, that that was the main conclusion of the podcast like that was the main point of the whole podcast talk it out don't like don't kill each other because uh, literally in the end what's going to happen either one of you are going to be wiped off of the map is that right lucas yeah that's true yeah and uh, let's um you know let's assess the let's assess the united kingdoms what do you say um you mean the United Kingdom in terms of in terms of like them supporting Israel? I mean, in general, you know, like how they deal with their conflicts. Well, for them, it's different because they they don't have a territory problems with other countries because it's an island, and you know they don't have to kill people or whatever to claim territory. Mm. But in a way, if they have conflict. They would probably solve it with the governments and you know discussing it, or even you know talking with the UN to you know solve bigger problems. When like Israel and Palestine, the UN isn't doing anything for them when yeah. obviously they know what's going on. Hundred percent. I I a hundred percent. I agree with that right now because as of now, as of now, this has been going on for about like what around two weeks. Yeah, two weeks now. Two weeks now, and and maybe even three weeks. We don't know the exact date, and like. We, we we haven't seen any um, major response from the UN who claims to be the United Nations. As of now, the United Nations doesn't really, uh, doesn't really seem really uh, united. What are your opinions on that, Lucas? Well, the thing is, I, I feel like they're avoiding it because they don't really want to get involved in something which is very big. And it's literally, it's a global crisis. It's not just about Israel and Palestine. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a, like something that's happening that literally everyone has to get involved in. Otherwise, it can literally start conflict between other nations, and which is actually already happening. Like people in the UK, in the yeah. US, they've been protesting because they know that it's really bad, and kids are dying, adults are dying, mm-hmm. and they really need help. I agree. You know, like I've seen, uh, we've seen on social media, especially Instagram. Like I have to give it to Instagram this time. And, you know, um, Bella Hadid and Gigi Hadid and Zayn Malik, they've taken a stand. They've taken a strong stand 
And um, if you don't know about it, you can actually search it up right now on uh, Google or Instagram, wherever you want. And they've actually taken a stand, like celebrities finally taking a stand. And I really appreciate these type, um, like Bella Hadid is putting her 42 million followers uh, like to a right place, you know, she's using it not only for um, advertising her products or her clothing line or like her modeling career. She's also using it for the good causes. Like everyone should be, you know, like using their social platform for a good cause. And I think it's, it's, it's very inspiring. It's, it's very inspiring that the celebrities are doing this. And yes, you know, like people who follow the celebrities, they, they do the same thing. They share the story, which is the least they can do. You know, it's, it's not um, obligatory, but I think but otherwise, like, there's, like, other celebrities, like Gal Gadot, who's, um, in this, she's Israeli, and mm-hmm. she tweeted a few days ago that she supports Israel against Palestine. Yeah. And she got so much backlash just because what she said. And she deleted her tweet, her Twitter uh, message that she tweeted. Yeah. And the thing is, like, when she wrote that, she was saying that she supported her family and she was praying for Israel. Israel but people in Palestine, they're the ones who are actually suffering. They're the ones who actually need help. And celebrities, you know, it's good that they, you know, they post on their social media platforms to make awareness around the globe, but mm-hmm. it, it has to be for a good cause. And, you know, you have to literally know what you're talking about before you start tweeting or posting just stuff that makes no sense at all. Yeah, I agree. But don't you agree that, wouldn't you agree like, instead of me putting words into your mouth, um, I just want to ask, like, sometimes on Twitter, people can be a little, you know, aggressive, like, especially yeah. the politicians. And you've got Donald Trump, who's been a star on Twitter since he was elected as president. Even before that, he, he was tweeting things. And he he did get attacked, but, you know, he did get attacked by the haters. He got, he, he got, um, people liked him, like his followers. They appreciated the fact that he was tweeting some things that he, like in, uh, in the way we see it today, maybe yes, today we might say that, no, he shouldn't have been tweeting those things that he tweeted before, but you know, social media is a platform where you get to express your own, uh, view, your opinion. And, you know, Gal Gadot, like, uh, like I, I think as an Israeli, I think she would, yes, she does, um, she's taking a stand for Israel, but don't you think she's taking a stand for Israel because of the attacks of Hamas, like the terrorist organization in um, Palestine? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I think that her just supporting one side is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, they're both in the wrong, but they're both in the right. Right. But obviously, like, she definitely just went onto one side without really thinking about you know the other the other people on the other side and people really really angry about that and obviously mm-hmm. she um people actually want her to not play wonder woman in the dc movies now because um because she's a really famous actress yeah i mean you have to see like celebrities who take a risk by posting these things even though if if today you know if my country was um under attack i would I would support it 100%, but, you know, while looking at celebrities, they have to maintain their social image as well. And, you know, it is social media to an extent is where you can post what you feel, post your own opinions. But you have to keep in mind that, as, you know, Lucas previously said, that 
both of the both of those countries are in the wrong and they're also in the right in the wrong as in attacking each other in the right as in defending each other so the best solution which can be seen right now is to coming back to the main conclusion it is to talk it out but let's move on from this today let's um discuss something new and today i think we should be discussing the economy of um united kingdom what do you say yeah, I think we should talk about that. Mm. So, as we've seen, you know, like previously in 2008, there was a recession, global recession. You know, some countries weren't affected, who weren't, uh, who were, uh, who were not directly linked to the U.S. to the stock market, um, and they didn't really, uh, they didn't really face the backlash of the recession. But you know, what do you think the effects of the recession were on the U.K.? Well. I think that people were really affected in terms of like unemployment mm-hmm. and those people lost their jobs, um, they lost a lot of money and families were affected a lot because people, you know, they lost their houses and they had to like start living on the streets. Yeah. And even banks weren't, you know, letting people take more mortgages and they couldn't actually do anything. And with people's businesses actually going under, it was just a huge crisis for not only the UK, but literally nearly everywhere in the world. Right, I agree, because, you know, like, we can see that in 2008, like, there was a drastic drop in the third quarter of 2008 um, of the GDP. The economic growth had um, drastically dropped. We basically went down to 94, if I'm not wrong, uh, around 95.5%. We went. Uh, we were ninety-five point five points at the GDP um, growth rate, which was um, published on the in uh, twenty fourteen. This report was published, and you know it, it dropped quite drastically. And and the un uh, the productivity level of the workers dropped as well. You know, and the interesting thing is that United Kingdom, like you know, they have they have a great amount of GDP. They have a great amount of gold in reserves, and the 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 sterling, you know, it's it's very strong on the forex. Yes, it, we have seen some backlashes on, you know, since Brexit, but it still maintained itself, you know. Like, what do you think about? What do you think are the reasons behind the low productivity of the UK labour force? Well, I think that the UK is a very very rich and strong country and that in general just even though there was a huge crisis mm-hmm. they, they got out of it you know yeah they they got together not only as a nation but you know just the whole commonwealth yeah and you know that's the best thing to do you know just get together try to fix the problems that, that mm-hmm. were there it took some time it took years yeah there's still things that didn't happen today which have were well, from the 2008 crisis but you know, businesses yeah. went down, but you know, other businesses came up. Like people made a lot of money from it, but mostly they lost a lot of money from that too. Right, and you know, like as we've seen, like we've got, we had an internal shock. Well, I believe it was an internal shock. The 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 whole recession crisis started because of the banking um sector of the economy, and. Today we see an external shock, which is the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, we've got unemployment rate, which is supposed to be around 
I think unemployment rate is supposed to be around uh, three to four percent, right? Around three to four. It could be at five for some countries, but for the UK, it's at around three to four percent. And the unemployment rate is healthy, but however, today the inflation is at zero point seven percent. Now, obviously, the, uh, this uh, this number is calculated from the CPI, the Consumer Price Index which is a basket of goods and services. Yeah. And looking at the 0.7% inflation rate, Lucas, what do you, what do you expect from the, the UK economy? Well, I think that in general, the UK economy isn't doing too bad at the moment. Mm-hmm. But in March of 2020, yeah. when COVID really hit, it was really unexpected. So people lost their jobs, obviously. Yeah. But the thing is, the the economy the economy is going to go back as it were before the COVID crisis. It's going to go back pretty quickly. It only take a few years, but it won't take over five to ten years, you know. And I think that over time, people are definitely going to get over it, and it won't be such a big deal that people thought it was going to be when it first hit. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was as bad as the two thousand and eight crisis. Agreed, agreed. Yes, it, it it wasn't as bad as the 2008 crisis. Looking at it um, financially, looking at the financial state of the UK. But however, you know, the UK was providing uh, furlough schemes to save its um, employment rate, you know, because they wanted the firms, because they'd learned their lesson previously from the 2008 crisis when people went into structural unemployment. And, you know, which... Um, <laughs> which was uh, causing deflation in the economy. And deflation to an extent, yes, it is required sometimes. It's a, uh, it could be done by contractionary monetary policy or basically contraction in monetary policy, but it was not required at the time. But right now you have, um, we, had, we, we suffered from deflation, you know, um, looking at the 2018 um, inflation rate and looking at, today's inflation rate 0.7%. How do you think the how do you think the labor force is going to come back and like you know how how do you think the government is going to support its people? Well, the thing is I definitely think that the furlough mark scheme definitely helped the UK in general because we, the US did, does not have a furlough mark scheme and in a matter of months over 2 million Americans lost their jobs mm. and still today over a year after the covid crisis mm-hmm. um they still are unemployed they have no jobs whatsoever and they're still searching right and the thing is in the uk it went up to like 6% of unemployment when yeah. covid hit and now it's but it's going down and it's literally between 3 and 4% so right. i think that they definitely did something pretty good and they definitely it was really unexpected, but it was the best option to take. Correct. And I, I absolutely agree with your points here that you're making. And, you know, I think we have to um, give some praise to the Chancellor, um, Rishi Sunak. You know, he's made some great um, economic policy changes. And, you know, to boost uh, spending, he's actually decreased the VAT value at tax. But, however, that, that, that hasn't taken much of, of an effect right now. And why do you think that is? Time lag. I think that plays a major role. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, we can't expect too much of 
of what to expect in the future. It's really unpredictable, especially, you know, when COVID hit, you know, never, no one ever thought that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll probably take between 12 months and two years for it to happen. Correct, because like I've seen, we were we were discussing this in economics, and we were looking at the policy changes that are made, and it takes, but the time like it takes about twelve months, and in between twelve months and two years to actually stop um being adopted into the economy, you know, and that is a big time frame for some uh, for some economies, but I think overall the general outlook of the UK economy has been quite well for its own people. Yes, like the, you know, let's discuss about the tourism industry. Like, what are your thoughts on the tourism industry as of now? Well, the tourism industry was very, very affected with traveling, international traveling. Mm-hmm. People obviously couldn't go on holidays for months and people weren't happy about that. And just in general, people wanted to see their families who lived in different countries. And it just people couldn't do so or like even to people who couldn't see their elderly the elderlies in their families who were in fast hospital mm-hmm. and they it, they were suffering because it was very hurtful for them just to see their fam- family members you know literally dying in hospital yeah but the thing is just tourism in general like it had a huge impact on the COVID crisis Agreed, because like as we can see, like the airline industry, yes, it has taken a big hit, but in a way, in a way, as we see the British Airways right now, it's it's obviously we know that a fiscal policy is going to be in place for the British Airways. It it represents the sovereignty of the UK, so it will be subsidized, and eventually, same as the banks. Uh, back in 2008 who were saved by the government you know they say government interventions adam smith says that um government should leave the the market alone uh, there, there shouldn't be any government interventions but what do you believe like what would you think about the government intervention into the um into the market in general regarding covid well i think that the government plays a major role in the market and mm-hmm. without the government's help i think today it would be worse you know right i definitely think that the government you know definitely like like what we talked about a few minutes ago about the furlough uh, scheme mm-hmm. how that really helped you know the population to grow back into a strong uh, economy and just people you know having the strength you know to go out and actually start living their lives again right because we have seen a uh... We have seen a steady a COVID um, infection rate, you know. We haven't seen a very high. And, you know, we can't say that it's a very... Uh, it, is, it, it, it is very low right now compared to the previous um, waves that have hit the UK. And now we have the Indian COVID variant, which has arrived into the UK. And due to the Indian COVID variant, you know, we've got travel restrictions again for international travel, basically. And... Looking at the looking at the firms which um, are coexisting in the UK right now, the government had given them a grant which would um, help them, you know, basically run uh, run the basics, the basic needs, the necessities of the firms, and I think that's also a very good, you know, play by the government to save their firms, to because they don't want people to lose their jobs a hundred percent because once you lose your jobs, it's very hard to 
get back into the steady trend growth rate. And while we see the UK as a strong economy, of course, every economy has its weakness and the UK's weakness is labor productivity. I just want your opinion, Lucas. Why do you think there is a, you know, um, a productivity gap in uh, human labor in the UK? Well, I feel like a lot of people in the UK don't actually, sometimes they don't actually look to work. And so that can have a huge impact, you know, on labor productivity and just people in general, when, if they're not happy doing what they what they want to do, mm-hmm. then they just don't do it. Like, right. if there's like a job, which very, that makes them really, really depressed, well then they'll yeah. just quit and try to find something else. But obviously it's very difficult for everyone because no one can do whatever they like. True. So otherwise, you know, it, it wouldn't work. But most people tend to be happy in what they do, but there's always a few who aren't. A hundred percent that uh, I agree with that as well, because, you know, I think my view is kind of on the economic, um, economical side of the situation on the productivity gap. I personally believe that maybe you might even agree with this. I personally believe it's uh, due to the tax brackets and the uh, and the welfare that is provided to the people who don't work. Yeah. You know, they they believe that what's the saying in um economics? You know, the freeloader, the freeloader, mm-hmm. the person in the community who doesn't really you know. Uh, pay his taxes you know we've got 94 taxes in the uk in my uh, the figure could be 96 it's uh what i've heard it's 94 taxes and the people who are contributing towards community they they tend to have less uh, disposable income you know which reduces the marginal propensity to consume now in return what happens is that when firms know that the marginal propensity to consume for consumers is low what they do is they start to supply less and this could create uh what we call an um, a situation known as excess demand and in excess demand what you have is that you have a limited supply and the limited supply does not fulfill the demand of the market and yes, the UK suffers from that sometimes in a few markets, but you know, in a way, looking at the whole ripple effect due to the taxes, the 94 taxes, welfare spending, because the people who do work, the people who are employed, they, they have to pay these taxes because they're registered workers. They have an NIC number, national insurance number, you know, and they have to pay these. They, there's no way out for them, you know, and sometimes it may feel like um if if let's put ourselves in a, in a hypothetical situation let's suppose lucas uh you work you work and i don't right i'm taking welfare and you're earning your income by putting in hours of work right blood sweat whatever the whatever the saying is you're putting in you know many hours of your life into work to earn a basic income and how would you feel if 94 different taxes were deducted from that income uh, and most of them were contributing towards my welfare as a worker. Well, the thing is, I think it would be pretty unfair if I was in that position. Mm -hmm. You know, I work, if I work, you know, let's say up to 40 hours a week. Right. And in the end, I 
I get the a full salary, um, a good amount, and people who don't actually work still get money from the government who actually don't work. And the thing is, they don't pay taxes, and I would have to pay what ninety four taxes. Yeah. And in the end, it's just people don't see how that's right because you know, just it's not even with people in general. It could be with anything. Right. People pay taxes for whatever they do, you know, to buy a car, to buy a boat, to buy, you know, to pay for food or whatever. There's always something that people have to pay taxes for. Right. Some people, some people don't have to pay for any taxes, and they don't even work, and it's really unfair. Yeah, because you know, like uh, the incentive to work, the incentive to be productive would be if you could save money, and let, let's suppose you want to buy an iPhone 12. You know, today you have the iPhone 12 Pro coming into the market and you see it and you're like, yes, I need to save um, this much, you know, a month and I want to buy that good. But the, the tax brackets and you've got the 94 other taxes, which I am placed on you, the indirect taxes, which I am placed onto you, you, you have to pay those as well. While living in the UK, yes, you have to do that. We don't have any other choice because we live here, right? And that that decreases the incentive to be productive. Don't you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And while looking at, you know, like you've got we like our our incomes in the future will contribute towards roadworks, uh the infrastructure and also the elderly homes which are created by the government or even the uh what do they call them here? Uh the government housing authority, you know, the welfare houses, right? The welfare states. Th- those will be deducted from our taxes because Hopefully, yes, I do want to be a part of the economy and I want to be a part of the um, of the employment percentage of this country. I want to be part of the labor force. You know, I want to be contributing to society. But uh, would I really feel comfortable? Would I really feel the incentive to work for someone else besides from my, my family, the people who I have to provide for? Well, first of all, I have to provide for myself and my family if I have one, you know? that decreases the incentive. What are your thoughts on that? The thing is, I definitely agree with what you said. Yeah. People work their asses off and in the end, they have to feed their families. They have to, you know, they've got so much to think about when, you know, people don't work, they're just sitting at home and or they have someone paying for whatever they need or and they're just, you know, unemployed, just, just watching TV all day. Yeah. When people actually have you know, issues with their families, like what if someone, a man has a child who has cancer yeah. and he's working a full-time job while he's divorced and he needs help. Like he'll probably have to pay for a therapist, which is even more money spent. Yeah. And, you know, just in general, like people who have money does, don't mean that they're in a better situation than someone who doesn't. Totally agree with that because the point that you just gave, it was perfect, you know? It could be any one situation. We cannot say that no one is in this situation. And it is, it's a very hard situation to be placed in in the first place. You know, it's thinking about your money instead of going towards your child's treatment or your child's education, you know? Let's, let's put in like something lighter, even if it's your child's education. You know, you want to put your child through the best education you can. Or, you know, you want to travel in the best um, best way possible, luxurious classes. But these people who are freeloaders, you know, they decrease your incentive to become productive. And in the end, what happens is that your 
disposable income decreases. And what are your savings in the end? Nil. Nothing. Exactly. And I think today that marks the end of this podcast. Tomorrow we'll be releasing another podcast and we will not disclose the topic yet. Hopefully you tune in tomorrow. Thank you for being here, Lucas. Thank you, guys. Thank you man.